Courtside Indiana podcast brought to you by Box Out Sports. Box Out Sports is a leading online graphic solution giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student athletes during a season. You can sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. Courtside Indiana podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well as SoundCloud. You can subscribe via each of those apps and have them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. We would appreciate a rating as well as a review on either of those apps. Welcome to episode 78 of Course Set Indiana podcast. This is Jim Reamer. As always, I'm joined by, well, maybe not as always. You yeah. go on family vacation every now and then. Zach Tyler's back after, was it two weeks off or? One week. Yeah, we, we we didn't do last. Or I didn't do last week because of the fourth and everything. But the week before, yeah, I was on vacation. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, a couple off. We managed. We 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 persevered. I was saying before we hit record, I did it last week by myself. But I think I got bored. So <laughs> hopefully our listeners don't get bored, and hopefully we. And I'm not sure today's podcast will be a cure for boredom. We're gonna. We don't have a whole lot to talk about after we get through the recruiting stuff, but we are going to talk a little bit about the recruiting process. I I do think we covered this a lot in the early stages of COVID. Um, I I do think we we took it directly from a COVID angle, but I I think there's never a bad deal. Probably every year at this time, we will, um, we'll get it, you know, we'll probably go over this and just remind our, you know, our parents who listen or the parents who listen with, with kids who play, especially that, what the recruiting process is like and what to maybe expect. And, and, and plus the so many different events this week, there, nobody really got out the games. I mean, there was, there wasn't a lot going on in Indy um, that, I mean, I was in Atlanta with my team and the other events that we were, that were down there that had some other Indiana teams were kind of a drive, you know? So it was, was not conducive to, to making those trips and they're just, weren't that many Indiana teams to begin with. I think there's probably five or six total teams and a lot of, the, a lot of them are kids that we've covered. I know there was an event here in Indianapolis, but uh, Chris wasn't around to get to that. And uh, there was nothing up in the Northern part of the state. And you were probably, what were you were probably doing stuff over the weekend, weren't you? Yeah. It was a busy weekend for me for sure. <clears throat> this week will I, be a little better. Yeah. We'll be in Louisville. I'll be in Louisville where there'll be probably the same, a lot of the same teams, there'll be more Indiana teams down there and we'll all be in one facility. So it'll be, you know, it'll be a, a long walk across a building basically is what that ends up being. So that's, that'll be worth it. And you're going to go to a event in Fort Wayne, correct? Yeah. I'm going to head over to uh, the brawl, brawl for the ball in Fort Wayne this weekend. Cool. And then maybe Chris will get a chance to get some games here and Nick Baumgart will be in Louisville next weekend as well. He's, co- he's coaching a team that, kids that really didn't latch on the teams, probably multi-sport kids and maybe even some outgoing seniors who still aren't committed. Uh, so I know he'll get a chance to get to some games. We might be able to get Nick back on here and, and talk. So I don't know if it'll be the two and a half hour marathon that he and I had <laughs> after the Charlie Hughes, but that was, that was fun. We, that's when we're at our, when we're at our peak, that's how we talk. So. But uh, anyway, get us, uh, Zach, as always, we'll get us up to date on recruiting and then we'll, we'll discuss a little bit of recruiting process. Yeah, we had one commitment this week and a handful of offers. Then otherwise, uh, Andrew Leeper from Homestead picked up a D3 and a D2 offer. Uh, Cedarville's the D2 offer. And then Wittenberg is the D3 offer for him. Both of those schools are in Ohio. Ahmad Gerard from Mount Vernon picked up a Miami, Ohio offer. Cooper Farrell picked up his first offer. He's a 2023 kid from Culver Academy from Saginaw Valley. That's a D2 in Michigan. Uh, Connor Asijan continues to get offers. He got one from Wolford. Uh, let's see. Jackson Edwards from Cathedral picked up a Murray State offer. Uh, Ryan Conwell has been pretty busy this summer from Pike. He's a shooting guard, 2022. He's got Milwaukee, Northern Kentucky, and Ball State offered him this week and then our commitment for the week was a big one top player in the 2022 class from indiana he's going to go to north carolina jalen washington from gary Westside. i don't i don't think his commitment 
the North Carolina surprised anybody, especially down the stretch. The, the final few weeks, I think everybody thought North Carolina was leaning that way, and they and they were three or four deep at the Charlie Hughes shootout. Yeah, you know, which was really the first opportunity for coaches to see kids play in a team environment, at least in in Indiana, because uh, the week before was the the top one hundred, and that's more of a camp environment. And but I mean, I don't think he disappointed. I do think that Gary West kind of monitored his minutes a little bit, and pretty much only played half a game, at least the the two games that I saw. So, um, but he he's got a chance to be. You know, although I think six, nine, six, ten kids who are skilled are becoming less and less unique. It's still it's still high, a high priority. He's got a chance to be pretty, pretty special player. And, and if he doesn't peak physically while he's at North Carolina, he's going to have a chance to, to play professionally at a high level. And, and I think as his body starts to catch up with his length, as his as his weight starts to catch up with his length. And his skill sets continue to develop. He's he could be he could be end up being one of the better players to come out of Indiana, you know, in a long time. So yeah, for sure. Is that a view you share? That view? Have you seen that? I mean, you've seen him probably a little bit more than me, even. Yeah, I saw him a couple of times this school year, and the first one was he was just coming back from the injury, and it was his right. first real game action. And then uh, I was able to see him in in uh, regionals or no. Yeah, regionals in Michigan City, and and yeah. he had definitely improved, and his footwork was better, and is a little more comfortable on that knee, I think. And I I agree with everything else you were mentioning, like it, peaking you physically know, I, will be big for him. And when they played Carmel in the semi-state, I I felt going into it, the more he played on the perimeter, the better it would be for Carmel. You know, I don't know that his skill set translated just yet to being able to put a team on his back from from that position. Um, but I have always liked that. And by always, I mean, just seeing him, you know, a handful of times since he's been back healthy, he's not been shy about going into the post. He's still not the most physical guy, but I don't think he backs away from contact, but right. Right. And again, the, the, the down the stretch against Carmel, it was Perry and Roberson and, and Krishan Christmas that were giving Carmel the biggest fits as they were getting in the paint and their strength and all that was making a difference. But, but um, you know, Jalen was trying to try, trying to drive, trying to probe, trying to, and it just wasn't working for him yet. And that's eventually something that he'll be able to do, especially on teams that have to close out tight on him because he, I do like his his outside shot. He's he's gonna have that's gonna be part of his game. That's gonna be a big part of his game. So he'll end up being what is now. We used to back in the day we would call it a stretch four. I think now he's just becoming a prototypical four is what he'll end up right. being. And the key will be for him is even, even at North Carolina, but certainly beyond North Carolina, can he, what can he guard? Can he guard? How many threes can he guard? How many fives can he guard? And a lot of that is what happens. Does he get caught on switches? Does he get, do teams scheme their way into uh, certain rotations where he has to be, where he ends up being stuck cross matched against somebody and I, you know, that'll be the more he can prove that defensive versatility, the the bigger his career would be. Because I think offensively, he'll have a nice skill set to go with it. So, right, yeah, he'll have trouble guarding true fives, obviously. So, yeah, at this certainly right now, he's just not strong yeah. enough. Yeah, at, at the at the high major level, I mean, he's not going to walk in North Carolina and they're going to be like, all right, we're putting you on Trace Jackson Davis, and right, you know, and expect them to have a whole lot of success. I know they're, they don't necessarily play each other, but that was the best example I could come up with. So Trace would be a senior next year and Jalen would be a freshman. So um, any, any of those offers commits stick out to you other than, I mean, really Conwell, it's all. Conwell's been busy. We kind of yeah, chatted, chatted with him at the top 100. Uh, he played well at Charlie Hughes. So, I mean, he's going to keep getting those kind of offers. It looks like. Uh, Andrew Leapers picked it up a little bit right around that D2, D3 area. He's got a couple NAIs also. Uh, but sounded like he had a good weekend this last weekend. Now, this will be, and, and so did Connor Seijan. So he, there was yeah. something, there was some list put out where like they listed seven top players at the 
Adidas deal down in Birmingham, and he was one of those guys. So this is the week when you start to see jumps in recruiting. Um, it, now, it doesn't mean it's the, the final chance, but this is just the week you start seeing it. So this is the f- first time where a season has been seen at a broad level by bigger schools. You know, this is the this is the the first chance for well Conwell's for his recruiting just starting to take off. But the Asijan thing is that the the Asijan piece we've we've gone back and forth on. Would any high majors get involved? You know, that's that's going to be the thing for him. He's got good size for a shooting guard. He definitely has the skill set to do it. The question would be defensively, can he guard it, or you know, or is he could he even be cross matched? You know, against right. You know, maybe pick the wing who isn't athletic and can shoot, you know, there isn't super athletic and can shoot. Um, and that's the part he's going to have to prove. And he's, this is the time to do it this month. And, and I would say based on that list that I saw, I didn't see him play, but based on that list, I would say he's off to a good start. So it will be, um, that'll be the thing. Does a high major get involved now that they've had a chance to see him play? Um, I think the answer answer is yes to that. I think we'll get, one or two to fall and then maybe he'll get a couple others, but I, I, I think he'll, I'll think he'll get some high major interest. Yeah. Anyway, and if he does and it turns into an offer, he's got to figure out if that's a good fit for him, you know, right. where do you want to go? Um, right. You know, it's, um, it, it isn't always about aiming as high as you can get it to, for me, it's about, for me, it's about, I hate to use the word fit, but I, I want my, I'd like always tell our guys when we get deeper into the process and, and this is going to fit with what we're going to talk about a little bit. I'd like to see our guys go to schools where they're going to be definitely a part of the rotation, you know, a strong part of the rotation by the start of their sophomore year and all conference at their position by the time they graduate, you know, that's, that to me is where they, I think they, they maximize the full value of, of college basketball experience. Now there's guys that now, if you go to big 10 and you're like, you say you're Sasha Stefanovic, you go to big 10 and you're definitely getting playing time as a sophomore. Now he may not ever be a big, all big 10 player, but he's definitely getting, you know, good minutes. You know, that's, 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 I kind of see a siege being that guy. Don't, do you disagree, do you agree with that or not? Yeah, I mean that I, I could definitely see that something like that going down where he earns his way into the, lo- the rotation the last couple of years or even the, se- the second year there or like we talked about before I mean if he decides to go the Belmont route I mean he could be an impact player right away. Yeah, he definitely. I mean he's definitely would be impact impactful you know, shooting, you know, being able to stretch the offense out, being able to, I'm sorry, being able to stretch the defense out, kind of changing the gravity on the, on the court. And he's still going to have to get better defensively. And it's, and for him, it's just, just the, the lateral quickness and just getting right. used to guarding it. And, you know, he'll, he'll get better at that because he works at it. Definitely. But, Definitely. But from a high major perspective, I mean, if he could adjust and, and be, just an, you know, an, an average or a really good team defender, really good off ball, great, good system defender. He could really help big schools with his shooting. Um, now, what that translates to, I don't know. I mean, you know, Jordy Halls is beloved at Indiana. You know, and outside of a couple games, his biggest value was just you, you absolutely positively had to guard him, you know, and, right. and he, of course, had a good career on, on a team that had two really good winning seasons while he was there. His first two seasons were, were struggle and that, which had very little to do with him. Just, that was just in the wake of Samson, Kelvin Samson, but, but his final two years. And I mean, he was definitely a role player and his role was to be a niche shooter, a guy that, you know, you definitely had the game plan for. And I, and I think that's Connor's floor. Um, but I don't know. I I'm, I'm anxious to see what happens this week because this is, you know, today college coaching staffs across the country are meeting 
to discuss what they saw over the weekend, if anything, if anything new popped up. Right. And we'll go through that process the next two weeks as well. And that's that's part of some of the thing I want to touch on. I don't know that we'll get too deep into it, but but I, I think this the recruiting process just on the norm is kind of nerve wracking for kids and, and, and for parents, because obviously parents want the best for their kids, kids want opportunity. And while they're happy for their friends or their acquaintances in the game, they often wonder why not me, you know, and that's, that's part of it too. And I I've, I've said a lot today. I've said a lot over the years. And we actually discussed it on, on the radio that I do every Monday morning down out of Bloomington. I know when, when Austin Etherington committed to Indiana, so this would have been back in 2009, the Indianapolis star did a feature in recruiting. And I don't remember exactly what the angle was, but part of it was discussing Austin's recruitment. Part of it was discussing how early he committed. He, he had a really strange knee injury that he actually got through quite well, even though it was, I think some of it was experimental. Um, but I remember one of the things I said back then, and I think it holds way more true now than it even did back then, is that social media has created this false sense of urgency on the recruiting process. You know, back in, back before you had Twitter, back before Facebook, back before whatever, MySpace, you know, you didn't find out about recruit, uh, uh, anybody recruiting anyone until they committed. You know, you never knew who Indiana, every now and then if there was like, a, like a local paper, for example, like if, like if IU or Purdue came in and offered, you know, a Carmel kid, it would be like in the, the Carmel journal, which came out every Wednesday, you know, there might be a, a tidbit in there, but that's, that was it. There was definitely no widespread coverage and there definitely was no coverage of visits, no coverage of who, who had called, who had come to school to watch. It was, it was on the norm, it was just this kid committed or every now and then you got this kid was offered, but that was not covered by the, the local, by the, like the Bloomington paper, for example, that was covered by the, the local paper where the kids, the kid was from. Right. Social media has made all of that way more accessible. And with that has created some urgency that I don't think needs to be paid attention to because there's way more scholarship opportunities now than there used to be. Just simply put, there's more division one schools than there used to be. And even though we have the transfer portal, which we can talk about, um, there's still more opportunities. Now it may change how those scholarships are filled. Uh, it may shift some, it may have a little push down effect as, a, as opposed to say a trickle down effect It may have a push down effect because it might push fewer high major scholarships into more mid-major scholarships or, you know, and then even push down into more low major scholarships. And so you, you may not get to where you want to go and the recruiting process may not be as smoothly. And that's the part I kind of want to cover, but, but, you know, you're definitely, there's more opportunities now than there used to be. Right. <clears throat> I mean, you're friends with, well, you're friends with some D1 guys or and across multiple levels. What are you hearing now about the how they're handling this these last few weeks and preparing for what is becoming what will be normalcy? Yeah, so some of the things I'm hearing is is, is kind of what you mentioned a little bit a bit ago about uh, kind of narrowing down lists, crossing some kids off now, maybe uh, circling some kids or adding a couple kids here and there to their list, just because of how well they've been playing recently. Uh, I know some schools are looking at the younger classes already getting ready for those. Maybe they put out their offers, uh, have some other feelers out for 2022 kids, but they're, they're happy with where they are with those. Uh, maybe moving on to 2023s now, not moving on, but I guess adding the 2023 kids to recruiting classes. So <clears throat> So a lot of juniors are going to start getting looks now as well. Maybe not necessarily offers, but looks uh, and interest. I know that was pretty big a couple of weeks ago and kids were tweeting out that information. And I was right. contacted by a few kids from up here about 
interest they were starting to get now as 2023s. And like I said, even 2022s had been playing well and they were, they were starting to pick up some interest as well. Yeah. I, I would say that here's the underlying point that everybody needs to know. For a vast majority of these kids, their recruiting won't start until midway through their junior year or even the summer between their junior and senior year because a large percentage of colleges recruit one class at a time. Right. Would you agree with that? I mean, think of the couple of programs that you're close to. I mean, are they even looking at 2023s? That's why I was saying like a handful of them maybe are just, just getting kids on radar is just getting names to familiarize themselves, some themselves with some names. Uh, I know a lot of them are, are looking transfer portal, that type of thing as well. Uh, and even. Yeah. We've not even gotten route, that part yet. Right. Right. We have because tons of kids in that area, but yeah, JUCOs, uh, not necessarily prep schools right now for 2023s, but, but yeah, JUCOs and transfers are the big things 2023 wise. Other than that, just familiarizing themselves with some names is what, what's going on right now that I've heard about. For the most part. Yeah. I mean, we played in Atlanta this week. I, I would say the event we were at, it delivered on the teams that we were, that we were looking forward to play. I don't know that it delivered on the venue just from the standpoint that when we signed up for it, there were only two venues listed and then we ended up playing. There were seven. Um, and it, look, there were a lot of coaches there this weekend. I'm sure. And a vast majority of them were watching the 17-year-olds. I mean, there's pictures going around. I saw a couple games where the, there's 25 to 30 coaches watching 17-year-old teams. Sure. Now, our first game, we played – we played next to a team, Howard Pulley out of Minnesota. Uh, it's a program sponsored by Nike. We, we played on the court next to them, and there were 10 coaches sitting there in the little gap between the two courts. And I, and I know specifically that a lot of those coaches were there watching one kid for Howard Pulley. What I liked is that they, they, they got a chance to watch our guys play, and they did get a chance – to then decide to come back, and some of them did, which that part I like. Now, it's hard to get a college coach to change their schedule when they're when they're at an event. These guys go through their their week, their game schedule is pretty scripted, and in some cases, the head coach is, leaves it up to his recruiting coordinator or or one of his assistants to script it for him. Um, you know, some of these guys aren't familiar with these apps you know that we're that we use on a regular basis so they literally will just have like a list of at 10 o'clock you're on court three at 11 30 you're on court 10 or you know wherever you're supposed to be maybe maybe you gotta get in a car and go to another gym but for the most part they're even the head coaches are scripted in terms of where they're of what games they watch and it's hard to right. get them to deviate too far unless they're already planning on doing it my point where I wanted to get with this, with this first game was eight of the 10 coaches were high majors. Now, you know, our guys thought it was cool because all these high major coaches were there and, and you know, that's fine. High majors are the ones that have the reach to get kids to commit that soon. Example, Miles Colvin commits to Purdue, you know, um, there aren't a whole lot of early commitments to mid-major programs. Would you agree with that? I mean, how often do yeah. we see a kid? Let's say, let's say even, I mean, Gonzaga may be, I mean, Gonzaga is no longer a mid-major, but, but I would say up until just over a decade ago, people, kids didn't grow up in Indianapolis wanting to play for Butler. Now they do. Right. And Butler's landscape has changed first by the, the finals appearances, but then moving up the ladder to now where they're they're part of the new Big East. And and that is definitely viewed as a power six conference. And, is you know, it's, it's a conference that is, you know, will get sometimes as many as six or seven teams into the NCAA tournament. So, you know, now that gives Butler a heck of a lot more reach than they ever did. But nobody would have committed to Butler 
before all that, not that soon, I should say, let me, let me make sure I clarify that <laughs> nobody would commit that soon to Butler because they would hold out a little bit and, and hold out maybe is the wrong word, but their, you know, their process would be, Hey, I want to play, you know, I want to go through this, this time frame, and then I'm going to start narrowing things down. And, but high majors had that reach. There weren't a whole lot of mid majors watching the 16 year old games this past weekend is, is, was my real point. There was Northern Iowa for sure. They were at multiple games. Um, whether or not they were there to watch this the first time, I know they were there to watch this the second time. They did not stay for the whole game. Um, Ball State was at a, a, at a couple of our games. Uh, there was Milwaukee was at one of our games. And again, I'm not entirely sure they were there for us, but I didn't care. They're there. Um, and we'll get feedback this week on what, who they liked, if they liked anybody, if they didn't like anybody. But the, the point is, is that unless you're getting recruited by a high major program, there's a good chance your recruiting is pretty quiet until next April, the April of your 17 and under summer. You, you'll start to see some guys trickling in your junior year. They'll come to your schools because they've seen you play maybe. But maybe they haven't. Maybe they're just hearing about it. You know, maybe you're the, you know, maybe your stats jump from your sophomore year to your junior year. And it they knew that you played for one of the better teams in the summer. So now they're going to start recruiting or one of the better programs in the summer. So now they're going to start paying more attention. And then it's not until that 17 and under spring, which for these last two recruiting classes didn't have. There, you know, there's been two Aprils in a row where there's no recruiting. So for a lot of guys, their recruiting didn't even have a, get, a chance to get started until this week. You know, and, I, and I'm hoping that, you know, especially for the kids that I coach, I'm hoping that they got a chance to turn some heads. Our second team, our blue team went, was down there. They went 6-0 and down in Atlanta, the same event. They were really good. Um, but, you know, and hopefully the couple of those guys that got some looks at the top 100 were able to carry through and, and capitalize on some opportunities. I know they've had a couple of schools roll through there, but, but unless the high major programs are, are recruiting you, you, there's a good chance you're, you are going to have a quiet summer into your, you know, into your fall. Right. And that, and that to me is, I would just tell any family that it's early. It's very, very early. You know, you don't worry about what somebody else is getting or has gotten. Um, it's just awfully, awfully early in the process. And um, your guy, where, where were you? Give me, you know, where your guys were this weekend, the, I mean, you can name, we can talk about the school if you want to. I don't, I don't want to out it if you don't want to, but. Uh, Atlanta was one place that I heard a couple guys were at. Um, I know there were one or two in Indy even for that. And Louisville, I think was another. Uh, I'm not sure about out on the West coast, if there was anybody doing anything over there. Yeah. Well, I, I think too, the, Sometimes it's nice to be in bigger venues because you do have a little bit more flexibility in that right, schedule definitely. that schedule point. Because there have been times where we've gotten kids looks because somebody was killing time between games. Yep. I mean, as much as I say it's scripted, it's scripted to a point. There's maybe not a game every slot, but, you know, you'll see like Tom Izzo, for example, is a guy that I saw. You know, I, I don't think he changed gyms for four hours yesterday. Saturday, what day was it? It was Friday. I don't think he changed gyms for four hours. And I don't know that he saw three straight games with guys that they were recruiting, but but it's not like that game. There was probably a game where he – I bet there were three games that he, he needed to see, and I bet that middle game had nobody that he was looking at. But I'll bet that he sat there and watched it and that he had a chance then. And I'm sure there's a lot of coaches that are in that same scenario throughout the day where they're watching a game just because they're, they've got time in between games and now you get a chance to recruit. So you get a chance to evaluate kids. You wouldn't normally get a chance to evaluate, but. Right. Um, 
you know, and a lot of this is just in reaction to the fact that, you know, you go through a tournament and there's a lot of coaches there, but they're not watching your games, you know, you're, and you're wondering, you know, if that's normal, what to expect. And I, and I, I just know it's, it's normal, you know, um, and that it's still, if you're an incoming junior, it's very, very early in the, in the recruiting process for you, especially yeah. with COVID. Right. I mean, I would feel this way, even if we didn't have COVID, I, I would feel like we could have gotten more traction for kids if there was a normal April period. And there should have been this year. It was ridiculous that it wasn't, but you feel like you get a little bit more traction because even if you, even if you don't get as much look as as many looks as you want, it's a lot easier to figure out which events to play in when they're open, because these are a lot of the same events that we play in each year. Yeah. And instead we're just trying to pick and choose events, you know, that are competitive. Um, but no, I, I like, um, I'm looking forward to the next two weeks, especially because we'll be in bigger venues in individual venues. I'm not talking about bigger tournaments, but bigger venues. Um, and so it'll be a lot easier to get coaches to be just milling around and you might be able to steal a few looks here and there. And, but, you know, you know, again, mid majors and low made low D ones and division two schools don't get too actively involved with incoming incoming juniors. I mean, what Huntington, not the, the one NAI school that we've got that's offered 2023 kids. Yep. Coach Alford's doing work. Yeah. And, you know, and Indiana Wesleyan started doing some of that stuff too. And, and every now and then they'll dip in and offer a kid, but you know, the Huntington's case, I think the guys they've offered of all are all around them, right? Gould and Beagle. And yep. Yep. I mean, Gould's from Warsaw, Beagle's from Oak Hill. Yep. I don't know who else. Can we look real quick? Who else have they offered? Um, I got it right here. Um, let's see. Here's their. I'm trying to make sure all these are relatively current. All right. <laughs> Instead of just Cade Brenner is at Northwood. Yep. So that's Northern Indiana. Oak Hill is uh, that's Landon Beagle. Um, let's see. 2021. That's Isaiah Davis. That doesn't count. So it's just those. Who else are missing? Didn't they offer Gould? Who offered Gould? Uh, Grace did, and Grace Indiana Wesleyan also. And again, those are, you know, those are schools that he's pretty close to both those places. So I think it's kind of the same theory. And I, I remember that last group I coached all the way through. Our first offer was to a kid from Fort Wayne. His, his offer was IPFW. And, you know, it surprised us that that was the first one. It didn't surprise us that they offered him. I mean, that was, but it was a Fort Wayne kid. And a couple of parents were like, what, what, you know, why didn't we get offers, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this was going into his sophomore year and my art, like his sophomore season. And my argument was, well, IPFW knows if there's anybody on this team that would commit early to them, it would be him. So they know that it wouldn't be a waste of their time to, to put resources into seeing him and into building relationship to him. And he ended up going to a good division two school. So he did not end up going to division one school on a team that had eight kids go to division one schools or off of a team that had kid that had eight kids go to division one schools, but he was the first D one offer. And, and the psychology of that offer you know, it was, I was, I'm always excited when these guys get opportunities like that. And, but it was funny to see. And by funny, I mean, interesting to see how it impacted just the other, you know, just the other families and, and, and mostly because they were just were curious how the, how it went, you know, and, and he was a key player for us for four summers and, and a kid that we were able to, I think, have be successful. And he went on and had, um, got a chance to play at a, you know, Florida Southern, which was, you know, division two 
national champion. And, you know, he, you know, but we had other kids that we, we kind of felt we we're going to get bigger opportunities and, and eventually did. And a couple of kids, we th- I think, exceeded our expectations in terms of where they might play when we first added them or sure. recruited them. Um, but but what, what interesting happened was when other kids started to get more offers, like that was his one Division One offer. He had some other schools looking at him, but that ended up being his only Division One offer. And so as more and more schools were offering other kids and, uh, and our other kids were getting multiple offers, the, the parents were like, what's going on? Why is this basically dried up? And, and I didn't know necessarily how to answer that other than the fact that, you know, look, IPFW knows that they had, they could have a good relation. Now IPFW changed coaches in the middle of this process and the new coach came in and decided he, he was not going to pursue that. But you know, you looked at it was, it was, um, you know, just a situation where they were, they were worried, but he still had other division two offers. He, it wasn't like he wasn't going to not have a scholarship. So the psychology of all that kind of ebbed and flowed based on the perception of the, of the families and the recruiting process. And as well as this, the sense of urgency of seeing everything else going around them, mostly on Twitter. And, you know, it's tough because, here I'm looking at it. This kid had multiple offers. I was quite happy for him because I thought that was probably going to be, there was a chance that if he could continue to grow, which we were kind of surprised he didn't, there was a chance if he could continue to grow that he would have been able to be like, that just would have made it different. I mean, if he was six, eight, instead of six, five, you know, now all of a sudden he's a six foot eight inch kid who can really, really shoot. And it could probably be then big enough to guard fours. I think that's what we thought his, future would be maximized at. Um, but, you know, you just look at it, how the mindset changed from him being our first offer to how exciting that was to other kids getting multiple offers when it didn't, wasn't going that way for him to where there was just some concern. And I, my point is every parent wants the best opportunities for their their family or for their sons or their children. But this, the social media aspect of this just changes the, the urgency and it really warps their perception of how this process should go. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you're a kid that doesn't have a whole lot of a whole lot going on right now, especially if you're an incoming junior that doesn't have a whole lot going on right now, I would just, I would definitely say be patient because we got, there's two more weeks of evaluations to go. There's two more weeks of opportunities. Um, and then coaches are going to be able to start coming out in the fall like they normally could in the past, which is what around September 9th, right? Every year. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, um, now if you're an incoming senior and you don't have a whole lot going on, even still, I would say be patient. You know, it would be, do we have any commitments? Hold on a second. I can search this, right? I can do a quick query. Do we have any instances? Um, let's see. Select all from offers where um, recruit type. I'm, I'm coding as we as we talk, right? Is that, is that good radio? Is that good podcasting? Yeah. People love to hear about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> where recruit type equals commit and level equals in let's see if i wrote that correctly i did write that correctly nice order by date order by time that's the name of the column uh descending now you know how my brain works here we go okay all these NAI commitments, there's 27 kids that we recorded were committed to scholarships at the NAI level. These are just full, we're guessing full-blown scholarships, correct? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, NAI. I know you're not seeing, I know you can't see the list, but. Right. 
Yeah. 27 total have, have reported offers and committed to NAI schools since we started tracking this stuff last June or last late May. How many of them are 2022 kids? Got a guess? Uh, well, you're the one that does this. <laughs> I mean, you do most of these. You, you enter right. most of these through our, right. I mean, I do all the database work, but, but you're the one that gets the form. You get to the form quicker than I do. I say it's pretty close to all of them. All of them are, no, talk about class of 2022. 20, there's 27 commitments. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. To uh, NAI schools in our database. And I'm just going on the fact that these are kids that reported scholarship offers and probably will full rides. None of them are the class of 2022. None of them are 2022. So no 2022 kid is yet to commit to it, to an NAI school in Indiana. How many 2022 kids have committed to division two school? Um, Probably none. Probably none. And also, None. How many are committed to a division one school? Let's change this. And, um, and grade equals 22. Let's do this, do it this way. So I can just quit. So far we have seven division one commitments out of Indiana. No Division II, no NAI. So the point there is this. The Division II schools and the NAI schools know this. They know that they're not going to get commitments. Let's, let's do one better. Of the seven kids committed to Division I schools, how many of them are from Power Six Conference? Oh, man, all of them? All of them. North Carolina, Syracuse, Purdue, Illinois, Indiana, Louisville, and Purdue. All of them. So nobody's committed to a mid-major yet either. The Conwells, the well, the let's be fair, the Asegians, the Jackson Edwards, the Conwells, the Gerards, Booker. Um, who? Xavier Booker, right? No, he's twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three. Okay. Um. I mean, all these guys with multiple Tayshawn Comer, who has the one high major offer. Um, who else are we missing? None of those guys are committed to, to mid-majors. And you know what? The mid-majors know this. The low majors know this. So a vast majority of them recruit one class at a time. And by recruit, I mean offer, pursue, not just evaluate, but offer and pursue and push for decisions so that so it's just they understand this so they're not really getting they're not necessarily going all in on 2023 guys let's look at offers um let's look at offers from 2023 offers from 2023 hopefully i did this right division one Nope, I did something wrong. Oh, offer. Get rid of offers. Get rid of the S. Offer. There are 44, 44 Division One offers out to 2023 kids. And let's see. You are starting to see some more. You are seeing a little bit of mid-major action, but let's let's go through it. It's the mid-major ones are like IUPUI are guys that have Indiana connections. Yeah. You know, Akron, you know, John Gross went to Taylor. John Gross coached at Butler. John Gross coached at Ohio State. Xavier recruited Indiana. Coached yeah. Illinois recruited Indiana kids. Bradley, one of their assistants is Drew Adams, who's, you know, used to coach here in Indiana, was a was a, a Dobo at IU, played at Bloomington North High School. Um, Miami of Ohio is a Jack Owens is an Indianap the Indianapolis connection. 
Uh, let's go down to um, you got Indiana State offering a couple of guys. Purdue Fort Wayne with the one offer to Mason Jones. Northern Illinois with an offer to, to JQ Roberts. Tulane with their handful of offers to Indiana kids. Of course, Ron Hunter used to be the head coach at IUPUI. Um, let's see. Let me find another mid-major. Of course, IUPUI offering a, um, a handful of kids as well. So those are the those are the few mid-major situations. But most of these are high majors. Pittsburgh, Georgia. What are we considering Wichita State now? They're probably more of a high major, right? Yeah. Notre Dame, Indiana, Butler, Indiana, Louisville, Iowa, Ohio State, Northwestern, Marquette, Purdue, Butler, Purdue, um, LSU, Kansas State, LSU, LSU, Illinois, Xavier, Indiana, Purdue, DePaul. So those are all the offers. Um, those are all the offers to 2023 kids, and, and, and most of them are high major programs. So – and of the low ma- of the mid majors and low majors, they all, all but a couple of them, have direct Indiana connections. Right. Southern Illinois, Edwardsville. I'm not sure. I have to look. Um, or Purdue, Fort Wayne. Well, they're that's a definitely an Indiana connection. They're in the state, <laughs> so I screwed that one up. Uh, St. Joseph's, Braden Shrewsbury, but I'm not sure. We count him anymore, right? Because he's going to be right. He'll be moving in college probably. station. So, yeah. So unless you're unless you're neck deep into unless you're waist deep into high major interest, I, I just think it's going to be pretty quiet. So I so I would say most parents just don't get too worked up over it, right? And and know that their time will come, and and it doesn't mean it's not cool when it starts to happen, but. Um, it definitely is a process that uh, can be a little tedious at times when it doesn't go as smoothly as you want it to. So anything else to add? <laughs> I know <laughs> we really didn't have much of a, yeah, much I mean, else my, to talk about. My biggest thing I think for, for kids and especially the families that don't know the recruiting process is just trying to get familiar with it. Uh, it, it's hard to trust everybody, but, but try to trust people, try to trust, trust coaches, AAU coaches, college coaches. Uh, the one thing I, I like to say is don't string programs along that you're maybe not interested in. You would, you're doing yourself a favor. You're doing them a favor to not drag out the recruiting process. If there's schools that you don't feel are a good fit for you, uh, <laughs> Try not I'll to disagree. burn bridges at the same time. You know what I mean? I'll disagree because, with the previous one. Because you never know. <laughs> well, here's – so, yeah. So, here's one thing. There are a lot of offers that get made as placeholders. They just want to be in the game. Right. You know, they really don't expect the kid to commit. So, they're putting that offer out there thinking, okay, we'll get the norm and we'll see if it, if it works out for us. And there have been a number of times over the years where kids have called to commit to a school and then the the college had said, look, we're not really going to take your commitment now. And it's tough to figure out who's sincere and who's not. And I would just say err on the side of trusting them because I don't believe in being cynical. And I think the more cynical you are of the process, the tougher it gets. Uh, But there are schools that do make scholarship offers just as a form of a placeholder to stay in the game and to keep kids warm. I definitely agree that if you have zero interest in a school, the idea of telling them you're not interested is is polite. Right. I don't know if it's prudent because you never know what the recruiting process holds in the other direction. And unless you are comfortable Look, very few kids get to control their recruiting process from start to finish. You know, Jalen Washington would be as close as it gets right now to controlling his recruiting process. Now, if you're a kid with options, you do get to a point, even if it's just mid-major schools, you know, you do get to a point where you do get some control, but it's because you've narrowed a list from, like at some point, Connor Seijin, Ryan Conwell, Jackson Edwards, those three specifically, Tayshawn Comer, 
at some point, those guys are going to have a sense of control over their recruitment. They're going to come out with five schools that they're going to visit. If that's what they, if that's the process they choose, they're going to, they're going to have five schools that they're going to visit. And presumably those five schools will then wait for them to make decisions or be part of that process. And maybe they won't wait for them. I would want, I would demand transparency from any college in this process, as much transparency as possible. But the flip side of that is I would hold my stuff. I, I would not lie to schools, but I would hold my cards very close to the vest because the schools control the money. They control the scholarships. And you never know. You may wake up the next day and two schools may have gone a different direction. And now you limit your choices by, by telling a school you're not interested. I, if it's something that's obvious, like they don't offer something academically, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. Just keep lines of communication open for sure. Oh, clearly. Yeah. And don't big time anybody. Right. You know, the NAI guy calling you, you make sure you respond. Yes. Definitely. Texting. You make sure you respond because you're one bad injury away from being a risk that some schools may not want to take, you know, a chance on. Um, and the, you know, the one piece of advice I would give to, to parents is have a process, especially as you start to develop options, have a process, be transparent about the process, such as we want to, we want to, we definitely aren't going to commit until we take official visits, or we're definitely not going to commit until we take visits. Right. They don't always have to be official. Uh, we are not, we want to know this much academic information. We, you know, have that ready to go, which schools, maybe you can prioritize your recruitment. We're going to pick the school that prepares our son the best for, you know, for medical, you know, for medical school or for whatever his future endeavor may be. Um, but have a process, stick to it and kind of track which schools respect that process. If the school truly wants you, they will respect that process. But you also have to understand that scholarships are supply demand. And that every day after you get that offer, you could wake up the next day and that offer's gone. I have our guys play games with themselves where especially they start getting multiple offers. I have them telling them I'd wake up every morning and ask yourself, how will I feel if this, if this scholarship goes away, you know, and if you're comfortable with that, then you know, you're not ready to make up your mind. But if you start to get a little bit uneasy about it, then it's time to start narrowing things down. Um, <laughs> talk about creating a false sense of urgency, but but I think it's realistic to tell these guys that the, the second that offer is made, it can go away just as quickly. Yep. So, and, and then I really compel schools to be transparent about how they're handling their process too. Are you just offering our player only, or are you offering multiple people that position? I personally don't care what the answer is as long as it's honest I know a lot of, I know there's a lot of situations where kids don't like being put in that situation. Families don't like being put in that situation and quote handlers don't like being put in that, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> all I want is again, there's the word transparency because even when schools offer you and tell you, you're our guy, you know, you're our guy, it, you know, you're only going to be their guy for a time for a period of time, because at some point when you don't give them the de a decision in a timely manner, they're going to go out and find somebody else. Yep. Definitely. At least somebody else to offer. And at that point you will, you do need to wake up and, and ask yourself, how am I going to feel if that scholarship goes away? Mm -hmm. If it doesn't bother you, then don't worry about it. You know, and I've had kids wake up and text. I think I'm ready to make my decision. You know, I've had kids when I've asked them, hey, you know, what do you think? And they're like, no, I'm good. I'm, we're still sticking with this. I said, okay. Um, you know, but, but these are families too that have plans and, and plan to stick by them. So, 
But if a college won't respect your process, as long as you're obviously upfront about the process, if they don't respect it and they're, you know, not being completely transparent on what they're doing, you know, it's, it's, you, you start to figure out, well, maybe they really don't want my son that much. Yep. So, um, one more thing I'm going to put in the show notes. I hope I remember NCAA core court list of core courses. This is for me, it's a kind of a fun exercise. I'm, I'm kind of weird like that. I like to go through schools of kids that I'm coaching and find out what core courses they have to offer because that can help them shape their schedule, especially for their junior and senior years. Um, I thought it was, it's cool. Some, you know, sometimes it's something as fun as the history of rock and roll. That's a core course at at least a few schools. Um, That'd be kind of neat. Most of them are pretty predictable, but then there, you know, you get some schools that have a ton of core courses and you have other schools, smaller schools, certainly that have a very limited number, but you can help your child or help map out your son's daughter's schedule. If you're, if you're listening, you got a daughter that plays, you can help map out their academic schedule based on the core courses that are offered at your high school or at their high school that the NCAA will accept. Because at the end of the day, most schools, not all, but most schools really worry about your core GPA versus your overall GPA. Ivy league schools, they worry more about your overall GPA places like Butler, you know, Stanford, you know, they're going to definitely worry more about your overall GPA. If you're going to go to an out of state school, sometimes your overall GPA carries more weight than your core. Um, and just because you're qualified as a freshman academically, doesn't mean that school can get you in. A lot of times it does. And of course, the better you are, the, the more likely you'll get a waiver. But this is still kind of a cool page to check out. You go in, you click on a list, um, you type in your school name, and then, um, then you get a chance to see which core classes are offered at your son or daughter's high school. So uh, anything else? I don't think so. I think we covered that. Yeah, wasn't the as coherent as I would have liked it. Well. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody has any questions about it, they can certainly DM either one of us. Um, you know, my, and you can DM us at mine is JW Reamer on Twitter. Zach's, what's your, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, ZT17 Hoops. ZT17 Hoops. Are your DMs open? Yep. Okay, mine are. Or you can also DM us at courtside IND and, and ask if you have academic questions, especially. But if you have recruiting questions uh, about process and what to expect, then we definitely will be able to answer them there. And if we get a number that, if we get a number of the same questions, then maybe it'll be something we address on a, on a future podcast. So, yeah, for sure. Any other topics before we get to our reads? I don't think so. No, we didn't have much coming into this today, did we? Yeah. This was Busier a low weekend effort. coming up. Hopefully it'll be this was, good. This was a low effort. Well, yeah, we just yeah. didn't get a chance yeah. to watch games. So um, go ahead with your reads. and Yeah, Box Out Sports is the leading online graphic solution, giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student athletes this season, you can sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. School starting up here in about a month, so some of you maybe want to check that out, highlighting football, volleyball, any kind of spring sports going into the basketball season. Courtside Indiana Podcast is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well as SoundCloud. You can subscribe via each of those apps and have them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. We'd appreciate a rating and review, especially a five-star rating. And if you have any uh, content suggestions or questions, as we discussed just a few seconds ago, uh, feel free to DM us at courtsideind on Twitter. That's courtsideind, and we'll we'll definitely uh, take that into consideration. So, Zach, what do you got coming up this week? Uh, softball is wrapping up for my daughter. She just did some tryouts for travel soccer, so we're gonna thinking about that already this 
fall and then <laughs> nice pre- pre- prepping for the weekend basketball. Not nah, good. Good. Yeah, me too. Hopefully we'll I'll get a chance to watch more games this week. We'll be in a bigger venue. Won't have to be in my car nearly as much. Uh, and we will um, get a chance to look, look at some extra kids and talk a little bit and, and go from there. And, and, you know, we'll cover some of the guys that, that play in our program too. I didn't want to just focus on them when they're the only kids we really got a chance to watch this week, try to be objective about that process, but uh, we'll definitely have some kids to talk about next week. So for those that listen every week, we appreciate it. For those that are listening for the first time, hit that little subscribe button on your phone. And we'd love to have you back each week. But to everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll look forward to getting back to you next uh, next week. Yeah.